630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Man, oh, man, we have a lot of ground to cover this evening. We're going to bring you some great personalities, including... One of the voices you heard in the intro to the show, oh yes, Mooner is on tonight, a little bit later on, Cam Moon from your Edmonton Oilers play-by-play chair. We got a lot on the Edmonton Elks today, including a chat with Jamie Elizondo, who's going to connect with us in a few minutes. His head coaching debut on the weekend, coming up a little bit short, so we'll get some thoughts on that game and where the Elks go from here, getting set to face Montreal on Saturday. Earlier start this time. Five o'clock kickoff, our countdown to kickoff show here on 630, Chad. We'll start at 3.30 in the afternoon. Now, I can tell you that the Elks signing a couple of players today. Defensive back Shaden Phillip, who is out of the University of Alberta. He was an undrafted free agent with the Stampeders, signed in January, got released by the Stamps during their final round of training camp cuts. Also, Rossini Sanjog, a defensive lineman. Signed by the Elks today as well. He was taken by Edmonton 59th overall back in 2020. And then, of course, prepared for a season that did not happen. Jordan Hoover. Jordan Hoover, the defensive back for the Elks, activated after being on the six-game injured list. He was placed there on August 3rd. So some Coles notes there for you out of Elks camp. And we'll get more from Jamie Elizondo in a few minutes. Stuart Skinner is going to check in tonight. Uh, we had a bit of a cross wire with him last night. He is going to be on between 6.30 and 7. And I am really looking forward to having a gentleman by the name of Corey Graham on the show a little bit later on tonight. He is the new public address announcer for the Edmonton Elks, longtime play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings, who has had uh, quite the ordeal over the last few seasons. Corey is an awesome guy. I was thrilled to hear him on the PA at the Elks game on Saturday, so we're going to catch up with uh, Corey, who is someone I respect a lot, and I always enjoyed seeing him around the uh, the rink uh, whenever the the rare occasions we got to run into each other along the way. So he's going to be on the show as well. Hey, and I'm happy you're here. You can always get in touch, first of all. Follow me on Twitter if you like. And, and again, I warn you, relatively boring Twitter account. I don't get in spats with people. I don't post much about my personal life. I don't post pictures of food. I don't even post pictures of my dog. That's all on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Email the show, insidesports at 630ched.com. And you can get in touch by phone, good old-fashioned telephone on the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, 780-496-0063. That is also the number to text the show. Before 7 o'clock tonight, barring any other developments, we're also going to give away four golf passes to play Edmonton Springs. We're doing this every day this week, so we're going to give out four per day this week, and I believe we're doing it later on in the month as well. And uh, I did a trivia question yesterday, and I made it too difficult. I was rusty. That'll be my excuse. I was rusty because we haven't done a lot of giving. We haven't done any giveaways since probably going back to February or early March of 2020 before we hit the pandemic and we had social distancing and not going to businesses and seeing people a lot less than we would like. Because often when you uh, win something from 630 Ched, you, uh, you usually have to come to pick it up and it usually would involve an event. And of course there were fewer events uh, happening. But now we're giving out these passes to Edmonton Springs Golf, and uh, we'll do it later on tonight. We'll 
do it again uh, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, and uh, it's going to be incredible. I hope. I hope it's better than yesterday. Well, it couldn't go much worse than yesterday. So <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Uh let's touch on uh, another story here with the Edmonton Elks today and that was uh, one of the players who was placed in COVID protocol last week on uh Friday. We knew that who one of them was, and now we know who the other one was because he announced it on Twitter earlier today, and that is uh, Sir Vincent Rogers, the uh, hulking offensive has never played a game in green and gold despite being signed for the 2019 season. Remember, he uh, he tore his uh, tricep in training camp uh, that year and didn't play, and now uh, and now this year, Unfortunately, he's uh, he's hit with COVID. So Servi posted this earlier today. He says, back in May, I finally decided to get the two doses of Pfizer. I did so to protect myself, my family, and anyone else I'd encounter. I tested positive days ago for COVID. The reservation I initially had about the vaccines has changed. Personally, I have had only minor symptoms. Uh, but he did go on to say that he feels uh, the vaccine is not a prevention, but a protection. He says that he had nasal congestion. His smell taste was off. He was a bit sluggish. He had no pain and no fever. And Servi also saying that he urges anyone in doubt to consider the vaccines from a viewpoint of protection from COVID, not prevention. So he came out and said that today. And then he also held a Zoom availability from quarantine this afternoon. And uh, he shared that he uh, has family members and a friend who have caught COVID. Yes, I do. Yeah, definitely back in the States. Got family members, extended family, friends that have been severely sick from COVID. Uh, I've had friend, I had one of my closest friends who dealt with COVID in the spring tell me he felt he was on his deathbed and he was afraid to sleep because of how severe the symptoms were. So, um, yeah, it's definitely nothing to be taken lightly. And so I just wanted to you know, be transparent about my personal experience with it um, as initially a doubter of the vaccine and now someone being grateful for having it. All right, a little bit there from Sir Vincent Rogers, Elks offensive lineman. Now, we know last week the CFL made some announcements that their goal is to get the teams to 85% vaccination, even if it's just one shot. They did say that if a game has to be canceled, the, uh, the if the one team is more responsible because of a COVID situation, that they would take the forfeit. They would take a one nothing loss. And oddly enough, if both teams were deemed to be at fault, they would both get a loss. No one would win the game. And now they did say, though, if a team gets to over 85% vaccination, the players would still get played for the game. Now, a couple of people told me last week, sources that I trust, that the Elks had the lowest vac- vaccination rate in the league at around 70%. So I don't know if they're going to get to 85% uh, by the end of the season, but Survey did comment on uh, on talking with, with teammates on what it's like in the room having teammates who don't want the vaccine. I think it begins with uh, as much information as out there and, and as much information that comes available, new information that comes available, um, and the accurate information. I think having that, expressing it, um, constantly having a conversation, Obviously, we all think differently. We view things differently, and we won't all see eye to eye on everything. Um, but I think 
in a in a sport like football where the the ultimate goal is for us all to come together and you know set aside any differences and focus on a common goal together i think a lot of guys take it seriously you know this is how we feed our families this is our livelihood and i think regardless of what what you know side of the fence you're on as far as vaccinations those guys that decide not to uh, you know, I would just hope and I believe that guys are going to do all they can to protect not only themselves, but everyone else, because, you know, it's one of those things that could be a trickle down effect. It could, you know, hypothetically, it could be a, a bad situation. And I know none of the guys in this league want that. None of the guys on my team want that. We're all um, here as professionals trying to do the best we can to help our team win um, and, and pursue that common goal. And so, you know, whatever side of guys on, hopefully everybody's making really good decisions and that we can continue to pursue our goals and uh, be professionals and do our jobs. All right, so a little bit there from Sir Vincent Rogers, who decided to announce first on Twitter and then over a Zoom availability this afternoon about uh, currently being diagnosed uh, with COVID and how he believes that the fact that he's vaccinated has prevented it from being a lot worse. So hopefully we see him back on the field once he's uh, out of quarantine and in shape to play. And I'm pleased to be uh, joined on Inside Sports by the head coach of your Edmonton Elks, Jamie Elizondo. Jamie, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Reed, how are you? I apologize for running a little bit late, so thanks for your understanding. No, I, I no worries. I, I know football coaches go, well, well, what do you do? Go from about 5 a.m. to midnight? Is that the hours, or am I exaggerating a little bit? No, I think you hit it right on the nail on the head right there. So that's it. Okay. Well, I, I did an interview with Aaron Grimes during training camp, and I know the players have long days, especially during camp. And uh, I, I've, I've been told by multiple people that one of the skills you need as a football coach is to uh, operate on, uh, as the, you have to operate on less than seven or eight hours of sleep. So how do you, like we talk a lot about player fitness and player health. How as a coach do you keep feeling good even though you're not sleeping a lot and there could be a lot of stress and you're still trying to uh, you know have a family and all that kind of stuff uh, uh, as well what do you do to, to stay sharp mentally and you know physically as much as you need to as well yeah it's a, it's a great question there's a Bill Walsh had an expression that uh, you know you need a uh, 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 an understanding wife and a, and a loyal dog so you know that's the reality of it but uh you try to drink, you know, plenty of water, um, you know, it's late hours. You try to get sleep when, when you can sneak it in. It's just one of the natures of the job, you know, during season and short weeks, um, you know, that uh, you got to eat healthy. If you're not uh, getting enough sleep, then you've got to make sure that the things that you're putting into your body are, are good for you, and that starts with hydration and, and continues on with uh, just, you know, eating healthy food. So um, you can't eat poorly and not sleep enough that's that's a recipe for disaster that you just don't think clearly so um but it's just part of the job it's just something that you accept and then something that's just uh you know uh, we work in a profession where the work has to be done uh, and the answers have to be discovered you know by by tonight and by tomorrow morning before we go on to the next segment and game plan and so it's not like uh you can close it off and say, hey, we'll work on this next week. you got to find those answers uh, immediately. Jamie, part of me hesitates to ask you this because it might come across as a bit of a goofy question, but I also know sometimes those questions get the best stories. Have you ever slept in your office, and if so, how often? Oh, yeah. I slept in, uh, in my office a couple times, and uh, you know, more, more than I want to remember. Let's just put it that way. So you, know, you start negotiating with your own brain on – 
if it's a 20-minute drive home and then, you know, 20 minutes to unwind and then 20 minutes back in the morning, that's an hour of sleep. So if I could just lay down on, on this couch, I'll get an extra hour of sleep. So I've done that too too many times. And, you know, there's some teams, uh, no one in our league, but, uh, um, you know, that uh, have rooms for, for coaches to sleep in, in in their facilities. And, uh, you know, it's just, again, just part of the nature of everything that you have to go through, the, all the analytics you have to pour through, all the numbers um, and, and find answers. So, uh, fortunately, there's a good couch here. So, comfortable with that. Okay. I, I want to ask you a couple of questions about the weekend. And, and I know you're moving on to the next game, but obviously a, a game like that, is uh, it is a discussion point on a show like this one, and it certainly was last night. You know, some fans chimed in with some texts and thoughts on what happened on Saturday, or perhaps offensively. I, I think Jamie, the, the the concern of the fans was, and for me too, uh, what didn't happen. A lot of yards didn't lead to a lot of points. I, I've heard the word frustration a lot from Elks fans over the last couple of days. Uh, how do you sort of uh, you know r- respond to that in terms of what happened offensively? Oh, I can understand everybody's, you know, frustration, you know, with uh, with the result, especially with the excitement going into this game. Um, I think we all felt the same way. I think we felt like we let we let one get away. It's some. It's one thing when you get beat. That's part of the the game when a team comes in and they're better than you um, and you know uh, play better. But uh, when when you don't play well enough to execute the way that we had been executing in training camp, and you make some. Some mistakes, and you know, I've said this before. Not all mistakes are weighted equally. Some mistakes uh, are are more uh, egregious than others. And you know, it just happened that some of the mistakes that we made, um, you know, kind of bit us in the in in the you know what. And I think that's a learning experience for our players. Um, you know, we take points off the board uh, a number of times, whether it was a, a penalty or a turnover. We're in the red zone a number of times. We connect on a couple of those, and it's a different game. But uh, I think football is a matter of learning and making corrections and moving on. And it's a process. And, you know, offensively, it always takes a little longer for guys to gel. Um, but uh, everybody in this building uh, was disappointed with the result. And it's a matter of trying to fix it and move forward. I'll just ask you one more about that game. And I know it's maybe a little unfair to focus on the last play of the game because there were about 150 plays both ways before that. But it, but it does get discussed and it does stick with people who watch the game. You know, as a coach, you have to gain 17 yards. You have to get it into the end zone and it's, it's a win or lose play. Uh, how, how do you approach that as a coach? And looking back, uh, it turned out to be a check down throw. Is it your preference that Trevor has to throw that into the end zone, even if it's a lower percentage chance of completion? Yeah, I think so. You know, we talked about it beforehand. With seven seconds on the clock, 17 yards away, you might uh, have a shot at two plays. You know, if you take a drop, throw that ball in the end zone, hope for a jump ball, and listen, if, you know, we got some guys that we felt – pretty confident that can can go up and get that and uh even if the ball gets intercepted at least you felt like you know you had a chance you gave yourself a chance so we weren't good enough in that scenario and uh and that's something that we just got to grow on but with seven seconds you probably have a chance for two shots into the end zone what we call take a clear shot um and you know it just didn't work out that way so we'll learn from it get better and, and move on but uh in that scenario that ball has to be in the end zone Jamie Elizondo, coach of your Edmonton Elks, joining us tonight at Inside Sports. I, I wonder if I can get a comment on the defensive line. Certainly a lot was made in camp of Boateng and Betts, the two Canadian guys on the ends. Uh, you know, Moore came up with a couple of sacks. 
Can you sort of speak to your expectations uh, for those guys and, and the value that that pressure has on what else you can do defensively? Yeah, I think it all starts with on both sides of the ball, uh, protecting the quarterback and getting after the quarterback on the other side of the ball. Anytime you can inflict that kind of pressure, that kind of noise, that kind of disruption around a quarterback, it really makes a difference. And I thought those four guys did a fantastic job of doing that. You know, Mike Moore pushed the pocket back. Jake Ceresno was in the backfield. Those two guys on the end had really good games. And so anytime you can cause that kind of havoc, uh, back there, I think you disrupt the timing of the quarterback. You disrupt his comfort level. And now his eyes start looking around at, at running lanes as opposed to, you know, keeping guys keeping their eyes downfield and trying to find throwing lanes and, and, you know, working through your progression. So really proud of those guys. I thought they did a great job of denting the pocket, knocking it back. Um, and, you know, there's still some sacks that we missed that we left out there. Um, there's, you know, we could have been better in certain ways, but uh, happy with their performance there for game one. You play Montreal now. Uh, Vernon Adams, a pretty exciting quarterback. I actually think he's going to join us on the show tomorrow. Um, Again, you're in a situation with uh, playing a team that hasn't played since 2019 because they had the bye in week one, and I believe they have a new defensive coordinator as well. So what are you doing for tape on the Alouettes this week? Yeah, that's a a tough one for, you know, from, from a defensive perspective. Uh, the defense is able to look back at 2019 offensive film. You know, same play caller um, in Kari, and he does a great job for those guys. And so, you know, we can we can evaluate some some of the, the thought process and some of the things that he likes to do based on that. Defensively, with a brand new defensive coordinator, you know, you're not real certain what what his you know what he's going to run when he's running his own ship. So, we'll prepare for a number of different things, and there's just going to have to be some adjustment in that process. But there's also looking back on, on film from a personnel perspective and just getting a feel for the different players and how they played within different systems and just their strengths and weaknesses. So we're spending some time on that, but uh, there's going to have to be some adjustment. Uh, obviously, they have some film to work off of uh, with us, but uh, we'll do the best we can and we'll make adjustments as need be. All right, Jamie, I, I know you're busy, so thank you very much for checking in. I, I always enjoy your perspective. I hope we can talk a few times throughout the season. All the best on Saturday. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. And, again, uh, thanks for having me on. That is Jamie Elizondo, head coach of your Edmonton Elks. Really happy that he could check in tonight. It's Inside Sports on 630. All right, that was Jamie Elizondo. So you heard him said it that it would have been his preference on that final play on Saturday that Trevor Harris chucks that one into the end zone because you need a reception in the end zone to win the game. You're probably not going to dump it off to your fullback and have him run it in, though he certainly tried on the play. And, uh, yeah, that Elks defensive line, very promising. And if you, I remember Kavis Reed had a stat a few years ago when he was coaching the double E. If you get a sack on a drive, it was something like 93% that the uh, team with the ball does not score a touchdown on that drive, that it's, they're almost for sure going to have to punt or kick a field goal. So that appears to be an advantage for the Elks this season, though they're going to take on a more mobile quarterback this Saturday when Vernon Adams comes to town. Stuart Skinner, new contract with the Oilers organization. He spent most of last year with the Bakersfield Condors. He's coming up after the news and weather. All right. 
right, good to have you tuning in tonight. We got a doubleheader for the Blue Jays today, taking on the LA Angels in the bottom of the sixth. It is the Angels leading the Jays 6-3. Toronto coming in with a record of 60 and 50 on the season. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We had Jamie Elizondo on the show, head coach, offensive coordinator for your Edmonton Elks. Always happy to get his perspective. Uh, a little more, well, it's a it's the jumping off point is an Elks story. Um, but it, it's a bigger story than that. It's 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 a very interesting human story about a guy who's been through a lot, someone I really respect. Corey Graham is going to be on the show. You used to hear him doing play-by-play for the Edmonton Oil Kings, and he's the new public address announcer at Edmonton Elks Games. So it'll be fun to catch up with him. Right now, I am happy to welcome back to the show. Recently signed a new two-year, two-way contract with the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Did get his first NHL win this past season. Played mostly in the American Hockey League goaltender Stuart Skinner is on the line Stuart welcome back to the show how are you doing good how are you I'm doing very well great to have you on the show again of course over the weekend you get a new two-year contract I don't think a surprise to anybody obviously that you re-sign with the Oilers organization but what does it mean to you to get this done and to get the two-year commitment yeah I mean I mean uh it feels amazing to get the deal done obviously I got another two years to uh prove myself as an Edmonton Oiler so um yeah I just hope that I uh keep doing well and uh earn myself a spot well and you're coming off a pretty good year with the Bakersfield Condors though obviously an unusual year but you know, a 2.38 goals against average. You got to 20 wins and 30 decisions, so that's really good. 9.14 save percentage. Playing under those unusual circumstances, and, and given that also you were, you know, with the Oilers at the beginning of the year too, how, how do you feel it went for you with the Condors? Yeah, I thought it went great. Um, obviously, playoffs was a little bit different, uh, but it was nice to kind of come up top. I know you don't, uh, we didn't win an award or anything at the end of the day, but... You know, it did feel like we we won something as a team. Um, you know, we called it the Chick Cup. So it was, uh, it was a fun run we had in Baco. And we had a great group of guys that, um, you know, just worked hard every single night. And, uh, you know, we just really cared for each other out there. So I, I had a blast in Bakersfield. And I think the experience I got uh, right before I got sent down was, uh, was very big for me as well, just to learn a lot from those guys and see how they work. And... I think it helped me a lot going down to Bakersfield and just trying to keep that MHL mentality uh, as I went down. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great year. Well, you mentioned that NHL mentality, and I think that sort of bundles into the next question that I wanted to ask you. And, you know, you and I have talked really for the last four years since the summer you, you have drafted about your progress and your career and your goals and all that kind of stuff. So when, when you as a goaltender talk about improving and, and taking the next step, are we talking about technical things, physical things that a goaltender does, or are we talking more about mental things and consistency and maturity and those types of things? Yeah, so when I was uh, kind of when we first started talking, kind of right when I got drafted to the Oilers, I think a uh, big thing for me was a lot of like working on a lot of technical things and, you know, kind of getting my structure down. I think I've always been a pretty decent technical goaltender but uh ever since i started working with dustin schwartz i think my technical games kind of you know gotten uh gotten a lot better <clears throat> so it's uh 
it's definitely always a work in progress and you're always working on it every single year. But I think as you get older, um, the more experience you get and the more you've been working on your technical part of the game, I think it becomes more of just using those tools uh, to help you uh, play the game to the best of your ability. So, um, you know, everyone says that the game's 90% uh, mental and 10% physical. And uh, for the most part, I definitely believe that. I think it's a, it's a mental game. I think just sports in general is very mental. And <clears throat> so I, uh, yeah, I'm trying to be, trying to work on my, my mental mental game as well as my technical game. But uh, for the on-ice stuff, uh, schwartzy has got a great plan for me and uh, it's been working out well. Yeah, sounds good. Stuart Skinner joining us tonight <laughs> in Inside Sports. So you're 22, Stuart, and look, you, you chose a position that uh, is heavily scrutinized because there's only w w one guy on each team on the ice that plays goal. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you play a position in which, what's the old thing? Well, goalies take longer to develop. Well, you can't draft a goalie and expect him to be in the NHL at 18, <laughs> 19, 20. Uh, you know, now at 22, how are you feeling about the career path? How close do you feel you are to saying, like, yeah, I can, I can be on an NHL roster and stay on an NHL roster? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think I can now. I, uh, I'm definitely uh, getting more confident and confident in myself uh, as every year goes by. So with the experiences that I've learned in my first three years, you know, I really do believe that I can uh, play in the NHL here and uh, I believe I can play well. Um, it's just a matter of time of, uh, you know, the opportunity that I get and what I do with that opportunity. So, um, you know, it's easy to say that you're ready for the NHL, uh, but uh, actually, once I get that opportunity, um, you know, what needs to happen is for me to actually take that opportunity and do well with it. So, um, yeah, I think it's been a, it's been a, a wonderful journey that, you know, I'm, uh, I'm blessed to be a part of. And, you know, the journey is not ending now. So it's uh, I'm excited for what the future holds. All right. So the pole hockey calendar thrown off this year, but. You know, the training camp is next month. That doesn't sound that far away when I put it that way. Are, are, yeah. you, are you back on the ice? Let us know what's going on there. And if, uh, if so, anybody that you've been skating with. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we got a great training group in, at Rogers Place here. So uh, it's me, Tyler Benson, James Hamlin, uh, Kyle Turris. Um, that's about it right now. Um, and we got a great group. Well, we got Dmitry Samarukov as well. So we, we've been on the ice pretty well four or five times a, a week and uh, been in the gym uh, Monday to Friday. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of work and a lot of development for all of us. So it's been a, it's been a fun summer. I, uh, I really enjoy working out with those guys. Obviously, they're my teammates and it's been uh, yeah, it's been good. All right. So a bit of a fun question when it is the off season and, and you are working hard, like you said, but uh what do you do uh, otherwise you get out on the golf course were you glued to the television and watching the olympics and we had some great canadian and edmonton stories there as well uh, what else is uh well, how else have you been filling your time yeah actually i kind of do a little bit of both so at uh in the gym we put on the tv and we actually watched the olympics just last week and that was a lot of fun for us to kind of you know watch as we work out you know see those guys running as we're on the bike and <laughs> trying to trying to see uh, i wonder how fast we could be and all that so uh that was fun and uh besides that um trying to get away from the the, the game a little bit i got a i got a wife and a dog uh her name's birdie uh our puppy and 
it's uh it's really nice after a hard workout or just a tough day at the at the gym or on the ice or whatever it is it's you know it's it's uh, amazing just to come home and see the puppy and uh you know it's it's a lot of fun being able to do that and just take care of her bring her to the dog park uh obviously hang out with my wife and her family and uh, my family but I one thing I do love to do in the summer is play golf I'm a huge huge golfer now I wasn't a couple of years ago but ever since COVID kind of hit and that was kind of the only thing you're able to do I've been I've been huge with it so I actually just got fitted for some new clubs the other uh, couple of weeks ago and I'm pretty excited to get the new new sticks over to me and maybe I could be a little bit of a better golfer <laughs> <laughs> well that's good speaking of mental sports trust me <laughs> oh yeah big time I, I know all about that myself too okay so last <laughs> one for you uh, on the theme of the olympics is there an olympic sport you watch and even as a high level athlete yourself where you think my god that is crazy how do they do that that looks so difficult <laughs> i think pretty well everything um <laughs> I mean, I, I don't train for that type of uh, athletic movements or, uh, you know, the sprinting or anything like that. But, yeah, these guys are incredible. I mean, um, I'm pretty sure I saw a stat about, like, these runners, uh, they're running faster than uh, faster than what we do on, on the ice. And we, you know, I think the guys skate pretty well. And these guys are running faster than that. So that's, uh, that's a little bit scary to think about. So that's... Uh, yeah, these uh, these athletes in the Olympics are incredible, and everything that they do. I mean, it's just uh, you know, it's it's amazing, and I tip my hat out to all those guys because if I tried one of those things, I would be I don't know how well I would do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thanks for checking in, Stuart. Congrats on the new deal. We'll see you at training camp. Enjoy the summer here. Take care. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. That's Stuart Skinner, goaltending prospect for Edmonton Oilers. And uh, as we were talking about a pretty solid season with the Bakersfield Condors in the AHL, the Pacific Division, the only division that held playoffs, and the Condors with Stuart between the pipes were able to win that tournament. So he's in Edmonton skating, trying to improve, working towards playing in the National Hockey League, and he is uh, he feels he's on the verge of a breakthrough. We'll see how he does in camp. Oh, my goodness, that is next month already. All right, Kellen, are we going to do this again? I guess play it again, Sam. There we go. Okay, so we're going to do it differently this time. We, it, there's once again an audio clue. But I'm, we're, we'll do that now. I'll ask the question, and then people can call in during the commercial. And you still have to answer the question live on air with me, but I won't just spring it on people like we did yesterday because that was truly an evil act on my part. It was devious, yes. It was the show with the most devious host in Edmonton, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. All right, so uh, this is to send you and three friends for a day of golf at Edmonton Springs Golf. 780-496-0063. The question is, who is this talking? No question, I was going to go down into the same spot behind the bunker, wasn't going to have a shot, and I don't know if, if I would have been able to save a shot or whatnot, but I know it's a two-shot penalty hitting a moving ball. I tried to hit as close to the hole as I could to make the next one, and, um, uh, you know, you take the two shots, you move on. All right, who is that? 
behind the bunker and wasn't going to have a shot. And I don't know if, if I would have been able to save a shot or whatnot, but I know it's a two-shot penalty hitting a moving ball. I tried to hit as close to the hole as I could to make the next one. And, um, uh, you know, you take the two shots, you move on. Okay, so to uh, get a pass for you and three friends for a day of golf at Edmonton Springs... Who is that talking in that clip? 780-496-0063. Norm is going to take a spin at it. Hi, Norm. How are you? I'm good, Reed. How are you tonight? I'm doing quite well. I'm enjoying my show to this point. I hope you are. And I also was wondering if you could tell me who was speaking in that clip. Well, it sounds like lefties talking. Well, can you just say his name to make sure we get it officially? Bill Mickelson. It was Phil Mickelson, so you're right. Uh, now, do you re- now that you you have won the passes, but just as a bonus, and just so you and I can shoot the breeze a little bit, because I I do like talking to people. Uh, do you remember? Do you know the circumstance surrounding that clip? Do you remember that when he hit the no, moving putt? Sorry, I don't. No, okay, I don't. so wait, it sounds it sounds like you're driving right now. So sorry, yeah. Okay, so when you get home or to your destination or whenever you have time, you probably have a busy life, but look up Phil Mickelson 2018 U.S. Open, and he was frustrated, and the greens were really slick, so he missed a putt. This was at Shinnecock Hills. He missed a putt, and he raced after it before it could roll off the green and hit a moving ball back up toward the hole. Like he basically, I, I remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, like he, so he basically, I mean, he never admitted it, but he basically did it as a screw you to the USGA for making the green so slippery, right? So I mean, I do that every time I play golf. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So he took a two-shot penalty and made a 10 on the hole because I think he was going right. to miss the cut anyway. I remember talking about it on Inside Sports that day, and I think he's just like, whatever, I'm Phil Mickelson. I'm, these guys are, these, this is unfair. So he actually ran after the, uh, he ran after his ball and hit it before it stopped moving back to the hole, took a two-shot penalty and took a 10. So that clip was from an interview with Curtis Strange, right. which is kind of right. funny, a U.S. Open champion interviewing Mickelson about it. Are you, are you a big golf fan? Like, do you have a favorite guy, or do you, do you, do you just you just happen to know the answer? I'm a Tiger fan. Like, yes, I like Tiger probably the best. But, um, I mean, Mike Weir, I really liked watching Mike Weir when he was at his height, but Mike's had a tough time with injuries and whatever else, so he's not really in the picture anymore. Yeah, his 2003 season, though, because he was also top five in a couple other majors, and I think he might have been top 20 at the, the other one. He had an incredible year. Okay, yeah. Norm, stay on the line. Kellen's going to let you know how to get the passes because I'm not sure if you can come to the station. I think we get them to you some other way. But I hope you're able to golf at Edmonton Springs, man. Oh, yeah, thank you very much. As one of your 14 uh, loyal listeners, thank you. There we go. One of the 14 winning something tonight. Well, over the course of this month, we're giving away like I said, 10 of these passes for four. So, because uh, I, I think Dave's uh, not going to, I'm off next week, so Dave's going to host. I don't think he's going to give them away, then I'm going to come back and do it. So, and you can't win. What's the rule? Kellen's probably on the line. Uh, Kellen, I, I believe the rule is you can't win 
twice in the same 30-day span from 630 Chad. So if you win something, you can't win something again for another 30 days. So 10 of the 14 of you should win these passes if I don't come up with impossible questions, which I might. I I may just get bored along the way and decide later on we're going to do absolutely crazy things. So that was Norm. He got it. Uh, We had some guys there on hold. So is that a fair difficulty, I hope? Is, is like is uh, it might make some a little harder along the way. We may or may not always use uh, audio. We may even not always ask a golf question. I could do an Elks question. I could do an Oilers question. I could do an Olympics question if we get some Olympians on the show along the way. But that's sort of how we're going to do. I, I, I'm actually excited, like taking calls on trivia again. I, I, I'm just bubbling with excitement. Said so this is I, I, I've truly reached a career goal. I am sitting in my basement hosting a radio show and asking trivia questions. When, when, now, when I had those fantasies when I was younger, maybe the basement wasn't part of it. But uh, still, it is fun to do trivia on the air. 780-496-0063. Hey, I, I got to tell you this. Speaking of Olympians, this was actually really cool. I went on a Zoom call this afternoon with a bunch of media people. Uh, full disclosure, I, I did not ask a question because there were a bunch of people who cover soccer to a greater extent than I do. So I was a, a recorder and an observer and then a tape editor after the fact. But Christine Sinclair, the, the all-time great, was uh, was on the call. Kellen, let's, uh, let's fire off the clip when Sinclair was uh, asked about her future. Is she going to keep playing internationally? I went into this tournament... Um obviously knowing when the tournament was over that I was going to be faced with these types of questions. Um, and I made a conscious decision to, uh, know that I wasn't going to make a decision at the end of the tournament right away. Um, there's so many emotions like whether you, you win gold or you lose in some devastation, (laughs) like way, uh, I knew I wasn't going to make a decision. I'm not going to make a decision right now. I still physically feel great. Um, I'm pumped to rejoin my Portland Thorns teammates and try to win some championships here. Um, but I, yeah, I'm at this point, I honestly don't know what the future will hold for me. Um, definitely going to take some time with my family and discuss things and, you know, probably see where I'm at in like a month. That's probably when I'll start to really like think about what I want to do. Um, cause right now I'm like, I want to keep going forever. And then the next day I'm like, Oh, or you can just be done at top at the top. So who knows, who knows what'll happen. All right. That is Christine Sinclair. Yeah. We'll see. She's going to finish her NWSL season with the Portland Thorns uh, at the age of 38. Is that it for her internationally? Could she come back at the age of 41 and play in the Olympics in 2024? Part of the tale to be told there. We got quite a tale coming up with Corey Gray when we get back to Inside Sports on 630 Chet. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.